Hello, and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am doing pretty good. Um, you know, I texted you this earlier, but I feel like I needed to bring my shame to this recorded medium. Um, I'm not ready to give details yet on why, but I needed to watch Thor The Dark World. And instead of like getting out the Blu-ray that I have, I was really lazy and I rented it on iTunes and shamefully found out that the extras that come with it aren't in the <laughs> rental. It's only in the purchase. So I paid $2.99 because I'm lazy and I didn't get what I wanted. Oh, man. You, you know what? I, I forgive you. It's okay. Um, it was Thor the Dark World, dude. I know. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, maybe if it would have been a different Marvel movie, I would have had more oomph to get up and find it. <laughs> is that... Man, that we haven't done a review of that yet, but I think we just uh, revealed our feelings of what that review is going to be. Maybe, yeah. It's a little weighted now. <laughs> now I, I will say this, though. Um, I feel like I haven't gone back and watched it since Endgame. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious as to what... In games, impact is going to be to to watching Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, I can totally see that because of the way things happened in Endgame. It almost felt like you got extended cuts of Thor: The Dark World. Uh, yeah, that you didn't get to see. So it'd be fun to kind of keep those in mind with a rewatch. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, what about you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. You sound I suspicious. Some... <laughs> well, I, I had something that I was going to say to you. And like I thought about it all day of like, hey, at this point, I'm going to say this to that question. Uh-huh. And now I don't remember. Uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is already where I'm getting on a tangent. But it's, it's so reminiscent back when I used to stream. I my, my question that I would always ask anybody that came into the stream was, what's been the highlight of your day? And I can't tell you how many times people would be like, Oh, I wasn't prepared. And they would have to think about it. And I just got like a live interaction of that for the first time. <laughs> well, and, and I knew like this, we're recording today, so it's it's coming up. And I, yeah, I got, uh, other than that, I'm doing well. Uh, mm. Just had a good sandwich. Um, chips, homemade chips. So yeah, so, you know, it's a four day week as well. Recording, you know, the Wednesday of Labor Day. As I'm dating the podcast, this episode, I know we try to avoid that to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's a 40 week, so that's good. Yeah. It's so funny to me. I don't think we recorded on a Thursday in like a month. <laughs> no, because, you know, we had the Thursdays. We moved to Fridays because of my, uh, you know, commitments to youth sports. Um, and then we pushed over. You said Thursday. We This is Wednesday. And then we just we just changed to Wednesday. <laughs> For this week. Time is irrelevant now. Time went out the window in 2020. I can't keep track of days anymore. Man, I tell you what, this year, I can't say enough bad things about this year. Right. I just, I really can't. Wow. That just brought us down. Sorry. No, I can (laughs) save us. If for whatever reason you were to happen to have a bad thing to say, you know where you could do it? In the ratings and reviews of this podcast, which we would greatly appreciate your feedback if you could give us a, a star rating and some feedback so that we can uh, help make this show a better show. Yes. Um, and as we said before, feedback is welcome. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of times you sometimes um, the impression might be or the implication is like only say something if it's five star. We want to hear it. Right. Yeah. Like if it's if it's a three star uh, that's going to help us get better, um, you know, to hear your feedback and, and have that interaction. Uh, and, and that's what we want. I mean, we do this for us, uh, but we do this for, for for the listening audience, too. Yeah. So Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to, be sure to leave us your thoughts. Yeah, that was well planned out. Of course. I, I did that on purpose. So good, Yeah, good we got job. that one-two punch going. <laughs> It's like we go bowling together. But oh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you don't know what we're doing today, we're going to be talking about 
which phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the best phase? Now, we were talking about this before we recorded it, and we think the best way that we can do this is to go through each phase one by one and talk about what we think until we get to the end, which we reveal our answer. So with that being said, the natural starting place is phase one. So just real quick, so we're so we laid out. Uh phase one, we have one, two, three, four, five, six films. Uh beginning in May 2nd, 2008 with Iron Man, followed by the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and ending with Marvel's the first Avenger on May 4th, 2012. You know, when I was looking at this, I think the thing that was shocking to me the most is how spread out that phase is compared yeah. to all the other phases. Yeah. Well, too, I mean, another thing, not only is how spread out it is, uh, you know, we always go back to Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige and his brainchild, you know, or the MCU is his brainchild. Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, First Avenger, and the Avengers, he's the producer, right? Like the the guy... Whereas Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, Avi Arad and Kevin Feige is listed as producers for Iron Man. Avi Arad, Gil Ann Hurd, and Kevin Feige are all listed as producers for the Incredible Hulk. And, and so you get a mix of things. Avi Arad was also involved with the Raimi Spider-Mans, the rights of who can make an Incredible Hulk solo movies involved. So I'm sure you get that the third name, Gil Ann Hurd there from Universal. Um, but it wasn't until Iron Man 2 that it was strictly Feige. So I didn't know that. So moving forward from Iron Man 2, it just becomes strictly Feige? Um, almost. Uh, when you get into Spider-Man, because of the Sony deal, you get Amy mm-hmm. Pascal, yeah. uh, which I think recently she either is left or is leaving Sony mm-hmm. once the Spider-Man stuff is wrapped up. I, I think I heard that I read that somewhere. I need to double check. And then Ant Man and the Wasp had somebody has somebody else listed uh, besides Kevin Feige as Stephen Broussard, but huh. those are the only ones. And honestly, there it could be Ant Man and the Wasp. When you look at 2018, when it came out, it was just after Infinity War. Captain Marvel comes out after that. Then you're going into Endgame. I'm sure he had a lot on his plate. Yeah, I was because I was trying to think of that. Like Spider-Man makes sense on why there's the joint producers, but I couldn't figure out why on Ant-Man and the Wasp. But I think you laid out a good reason there. Yeah. Um, And then one last thing I think we should say just there in phase one, John Favreau directed two of those. And then we had different directors for the rest. You know, kind of playing in this whole who was at the lead during this first phase. You know, I think there is a level of charm to this phase because it has that feeling of like, you know, figuring it out. Uh, vibe that's going on throughout these movies, especially with the way, obviously, we saw the success that Iron Man had. We haven't reviewed it yet, but with The Incredible Hulk, I think that is is a polarizing film within the MCU. And yes. it's certainly tonally different. And so it was part of that whole, like, throwing stuff out there and seeing what stuck. And clearly, Iron Man was the template that they went with moving forward. But yeah, there, there, to me, there's charm in that first phase of them kind of, like, making these mistakes and, and figuring it out. There is. And leading up to Avengers, I mean, they're true. I, I mean, you get some overlap slightly, but they're true solo origin films. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, Black Widow's introduced in one if you want to start talking about the one shots or in credits that ta- that that kind of tie them together, uh, Hawkeye shows up in Thor, mm-hmm. barely. <laughs> yeah, barely. But like, I mean, you get those. Like, Coulson is kind of that thread that goes through. But at, at the same time, uh, they're truly at this point standalone solo movies. Well, yeah, I mean, because leading up all the way to the Avengers. I mean, that was the thing is like, there's no way they could pull this off. Like, I remember I remember watching Iron Man and just thinking like, oh, this is really good. I just can't picture what an Avengers movie would be like with all these different actors because it just seems like it was too big of a cast, which oh yeah, in hindsight is such a small cast compared <laughs> to the other ones. Oh, yeah. Super small. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and you mentioned how spread out it is. Like Iron Man 2008, uh, May, Incredible Hulk, June 2008. It's not till 2010 that we get Iron Man 2. Thor and Captain America is May and July of 2011. 
So that's another year, especially when you consider almost the rapid pace feel of phase three and then Avengers in 2012, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's and, and so when you think about the Nick Fury in tag at the end of Iron Man all the way up to 2012 and when you finally get the Avengers, yeah, this is really, really spread out. And I wonder how much of a, because again, at the time the MCU hadn't earned the confidence that it has now that we're in leading into phase four. I wonder how much there was this feeling of the, uh, you know, false starts because you have Iron Man, great universal success. And then you have incredible Hulk and Iron Man two, which are kind of, again, mixed bags. So leading into Thor, Captain America, and then eventually the Avengers, it was kind of that, you know, I keep, I keep saying this. I wish I could think of a better phrase, but that figuring it out. Yeah, definitely the figuring it out. But you also, by the time you get to Thor, you can tell there was a commitment. They're they're getting at least to the Avengers, because mm-hmm. I mean, you get the Hawkeye that shows up. Uh, you've mentioned uh, before in another episode about the the end tag, so to speak, for Captain America. You know, first Avenger just being a scene from Avengers. Yeah, and and that feeling right of not getting something new. So, like like at that point, they were clearly. Committed. I think it's evident, too, because you can see, you know, how spaced out those first three films were. Well, not necessarily because Iron Man and Incredible Hulk were almost back to back. Long gap to Iron Man 2. And then we get Thor and Captain America, the first Avenger, like back to back. So they knew where they were leading up to, like you said. And it almost shows a level of confidence that they were kind of stringing these two together to prep us for the Avengers. Right. Also, look, I'm already going to break the rules a little bit. I know we kind of tried to establish that we weren't going to make any emotional appeals. I will say this. The Captain America fanboy in me wants to say that I want to give points for the first Avenger just because we've talked about this idea of movies that have become like retroactively stronger. Uh, I think we talked Mm -hmm. about that with Iron Man 2. I really feel like the first Avenger has some of that where it's one that kind of gets better where we see that hero's origin and how consistent he's been throughout the entirety of the saga. Well, I will say I didn't appreciate Captain America, the first Avenger as much as I should have when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. And when I first watched that in Thor, it was, be honest, in 2012, getting getting prepped for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I think I said this on podcast. I didn't see I didn't see Incredible Hulk uh, until right before Infinity War, and mainly that was because I ran down to Blockbuster to rent Incredible Hulk when I got Thor and Captain America: First Avenger, and I ended up coming home with Hulk with Eric Banner. <laughs> Oh. I love that story. <laughs> so I love that story. And, I forgot that it was before Infinity War. I thought you just watched it around the time that it, it was released to home video. No, no. Like, I, yeah, I was all the way to the Infinity War. That's funny. So, yeah, I think that's a good overview for the first phase of the MCU and some of the merits that we think it has. Uh, moving on to phase two, uh, one of the first notes that I, I wrote down is that it's not perfect by any means, but it did give us Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Man 3. Yeah, it gave us it. Well, okay, so it gave us that. Uh, it gave us Joe and Anthony Russo, mm-hmm. James Gunn, Peyton Reed. Uh, we see a return of Joss Whedon, and I realize as the time of this recording, there's some stuff going on with him in in DC. Um, yeah. But in terms of the MCU, uh, that's it's a second go go round. And if I can kind of go off on a little tangent here on that, like, yeah, go ahead. Think. Think about that at the time when phase two was coming out, I don't think Josh Whedon could do no wrong. Like after the success of the Avengers, I was just I remember being on message boards and how often people were like, oh, my God, you know, Josh Whedon's amazing. I can't wait to see what they do with the right. second Avengers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, definitely. At that time, he was do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and before we started recording officially, um Sorry, inside joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we started, just just real quick, we usually end up having one in tag, and we, at the end of an episode, as those of you listening know, it, but trust me, there's in tags that we have saved just in case we don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways. Uh, I, I wonder remember- how many people's minds you just blew revealing that we have an in tag who never knew this entire time. <laughs> what? In tag? They just cut it off at the theme. <laughs> what? There's... It's a Marvel podcast. How could you not know? <laughs> I know. There's a... Okay. 
Um, but I remember getting super excited and telling you this uh, before we got started that Alan Taylor was chosen as the director. And mainly, retrospectively, this doesn't sound good. But I was excited because he had his he was propped up as director of Game of Thrones episodes. You know, and now to say it with how that crashed and burned in the end doesn't sound as good. Um, but this was, you know, 2013. This is way before the the crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because th- this would be right around the time that uh, kind of that same phrase, Game of Thrones was that do no wrong. Like, I mean, it was yeah. the cultural conversation. So to have a name be tapped for it, like, yeah, that's super exciting. Yeah. And, you know, again, I talked about that first phase of there being like a false start um Mm -hmm. you know although i consider iron man 3 one of my top five films now at the time it was a letdown i think for the general population so following the avengers with iron man 3 and thor the dark world i think it kind of created this sense of in the lightest sense of the term panic within the mcu Mm -hmm. and i i think we've been spoiled by the streak that we've been currently on but at the time there were serious questions about whether the mcu could live up to the success of the avengers after that Oh, yeah. Like You can make a strong argument that the streak began with Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoyed Iron Man 3 in the theater a lot. I, I did from the initial watch. Mm-hmm. But, man, I didn't see Thor The Dark World until I uh, got it at Redbox, you yeah. know. So it, I didn't rush to the theater to see it. In terms of spreading out, we're looking at May 3rd, 2013, November 8th, 2013, April 4th, 2014, August 1st, 2014, and then 2015. So phase two is where we start to get two a year. There wasn't as spread out. But but again, for me, I, well, and I've said this before on the podcast, Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man are the only ones of this phase that I saw in the theater. I still... That's crazy that you didn't see Winter Soldier in theater. That car chase scene alone is worth seeing on the big screen. I know. I know. Uh, whenever movies open up again, I'm sure some theater will do a MCU marathon. Maybe you can catch it then. Yeah. I I feel like the the, the MCU is going to be one of those that, that you'll see marathons at some point or when they start doing like those, cl- I hate to say this, when you start doing those classic runs and it's like Back to the Future, which I saw in the theater originally, you know, and now they're like the AMC classics, you know, but, but yeah, like, like I'm sure the MCU will probably be in that, in that, you know, type of movie. Another thing that I think this phase has going for it, as far as merits go, is that without a doubt, by the time we do get to phase three, we get the sense of this lived in world. But honestly, it does feel like phase two is where that seed gets planted. A lot of which has to do with the fact that, you know, we had the Avengers movie in phase one. So now we've crossed these universes. And so in phase two, we're going to see a lot more crossover. Um, You know, Winter Soldier. I talked about how that reference to Iron Man with Pierce. Um, you know, Natasha teaming up with Cap, Ant-Man and Falcon kind of fighting off in their own movie. So you really start to see these small steps towards the universe being threaded. Well, and I'm going to save some of this for our Iron Man 3 review, but a big part of Tony's character arc in that movie was the the PTSD mm-hmm. from New York, you know. So yeah, so the, for the, so the battle and um, and you have that moment when he kind of has that panic attack. Um, and he thinks he's being poisoned. Uh, right there already, you, you, they they were they were playing in that world, playing in that sandbox. I mean, it's 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 the formula that Marvel's had. You take the time to build the foundation, and then they get to play with it. And so, on a meta level, Phase Two is them starting to finally play with what they have built up at that point. Yeah. Well, in Guardians of the Galaxy, had Thanos. Yeah. You know, and even if it wasn't, ah, God, it's been a while since I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy now that I try to say this. He's after the Power Stone. That's where the Infinity Stones were fully defined. I don't think he made a reference to the Avengers movie, though. But he didn't really have to, though. Like, everybody knew at, at that point. You know, I was I was thinking about this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a question of the week that said, what hero other than Iron Man could have been the one to kick off the MCU? And you proposed the idea of Guardians of the Galaxy being that. And I said that it could potentially work, but I think the problem that it runs into is that there's not a promise of something larger. And it's so interesting that I had that feeling initially, 
But you're talking about it right here. We had Thanos in that movie as well. Again, no references to the Avengers, but I wonder what it is, how they were able to 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 have the main villain of the saga, and I still didn't feel like it was like promising of something bigger to come. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's well, I think you're again, I feel like you're still getting the very, very early stages of what we ended up getting. Well, and take Age of Ultron, right? You had some Infinity Stones elements in it, right? Because mm-hmm. you get vision, but clearly I think that forced in scene of Thor was more about the larger universe mm-hmm. that really wasn't, man, it really wasn't that necessary for that movie. No. Because I don't even think his trip helped the vision explanation. Like you, like you probably still could have got there without Thor, his little trip. And then clearly the last... I don't want to say clearly, but it feels like that last interaction between Cap, Thor, and Tony mm-hmm. was something added later or, or something given to Joss saying, hey, we we got to have this conversation in because we got to lay these seeds. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that scene, it's almost a chicken-egg situation with the, the, the pull scene and that ending conversation where, like, they needed each other to be there, but they didn't serve the film individually. Right. Now, the last thing I really, for me, have to say about this phase is I do find it interesting that they end this phase with Ant-Man rather than begin phase three with Ant-Man, right? Because, like, in other words, phase one ends with a big event movie where you could have ended phase two on Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that always bothered me. Uh, It's kind of like how... Whenever these franchises will release their DVD collections and you'll see all the spines lined up and like there's this little icon on the bottom and then just one of them has the icon at the top and then it goes back to having the icon at the bottom again. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like not having Age of Ultron yeah. in this face. <laughs> it well, bothers wait, me as, so much. Oh, okay. Like as, as the last one? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to say it's simply because it's the sixth movie. Like, oh, now there's six in phase two. Like, I, I hope it's not just that. And there's something right. that I'm missing that as a, you know, co-host of a it, podcast, I should know. But yeah, I, it just, it, it is odd. The thing that I've always felt is, that I guess they felt like they needed a come down for whatever reason. And that's why, because I mean, you kind of see it in phase three, not to get too far ahead, but like you had the epilogue with Far From Home. So I wonder if this is just them establishing that they don't want to end on the large scale movie. They want to kind of bring things down a bit to kind of like breathe before jumping into the next phase. Well, you can say they did that twice in phase three. Yeah, it's a good point. So maybe maybe it's the phase one is the oddball out here. And yeah, not necessarily yeah, okay. the other. Okay. Well, well as we said <laughs> earlier, they were, they were still feeling their way through phase one. And, you know, and, and I, I think we're getting ready to move on to phase three. So I can kind of like wrap up, I think, a bird's view of yeah, what ahead. I think the phase two is. Yeah, you know, it ahead. feels It feels just as rocky as phase one, but without the past that phase one gets for being new. So I think what saves it is that the phase two has higher highs, but does reach some pretty lows, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I think I would have to agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I w- well, let's just say that, well, I don't... I want to say this, but again, it feels like I'm betraying myself when I say this, because as much as I did like Iron Man 3, I don't know if it had as good of a start as Phase 1 did, mm-hmm. or, you know, as, as overall. You know, it's so it's interesting to me. I never really thought about that parallel, how both phases start with an Iron Man movie, and I wonder how much of that decision was just trying to keep a precedent of kicking off a phase with Iron Man. Obviously, nothing we could ever get definitive answers to, but it's fun to kind of think about. Yeah, I wonder. I do wonder about that, if that's how much of that is intentional or if that's just the way it laid out in the contracts of Robert Downey Jr. and so forth. Mm-hmm. So with that, that does leave phase three for us to dive into. All right, so phase three gives us Captain America Civil War in May... 2016, Doctor Strange in November 2016, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 May 2017, Spider-Man Homecoming in July 2017, Thor Ragnarok November 2017. Do you need to take a breath? <sighs> <laughs> Look, I just want to make sure you're catching your breath here. There's a lot of movies. 
Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Black Panther. <laughs> now I stumble. Okay, uh, Black <laughs> Panther on February 2018. Avengers: Infinity War, April 2018. Ant Man and the Wasp, July 2018. Captain Marvel, March 2019. Avengers: Endgame, April 2019. And Spider Man: Far From Home, July 2019. Wow, we we are spoiled as Marvel fans. <laughs> okay, so j- just real quick. As we said on this podcast, I'm a teacher. I live life by the school calendar, <laughs> right? So, like, the year begins in August and ends in May with, like, a three-month kind of, well, June, with kind of, like, a two-and-a-half-month, like, halftime, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and that's, you know, I mean, I'm a teacher, uh, that's yeah, go to school, go to college, then teach. Like that's been my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I list out these movies for me, that's like from May, 2016 to guardians of the galaxy two and May, 2017, that's a full year, but it didn't feel like a year but mm-hmm. because of the school year. So it's like November came quick. May came quick, you know, July 2017 for Homecoming came quick. And so all of that truly for me felt like right on top of each other. Yeah. You know, and then going into, I know Black Panther's 2018, but that's the same school year as Thor Ragnarok and the same school year as Infinity War. So all of that for me was like, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked about it before. how Like I... I take my parents to the MCU movies because this is something that we've bonded over. And like, I remember that final stretch. It would be like, okay, we're watching this one. And then in a couple of months, they're going to have this one. And even though you like, you're going to want to see this one so that eventually you can get to this one. Like it was just one right after the other in like a breakneck pace. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like I, I, like I remember being in the theater and watching like the credits of Ragnarok and just being like, Black Panther's not that far away. Like, I'm already anticipating the next one when I'm in the seat of the previous one. Oh, yeah. And this, okay, so that the 2017-2018 school year leading up to Avengers Infinity War, that's the one where during the junior lunch period, we did the MCU marathon. Mm -hmm. And we started basically the first day back from Christmas break and just watched them all the way through. And even though, like, Thor Ragnarok came and out that school year in November because of being the three months later, it hit the DVD in time to fit within the normal sequencing. The only one that didn't work was black Panther, but we still were able to get it that school year, even though it was after infinity war, because again, Uh that three month later bought the DVD. And so, Hey, we watched that. That's so cool. Y'all couldn't take a field trip to go watch black Panther. (laughs) I was tempted I was, I was so tempted. hoping you would say yeah. <laughs> I was tempted. That that has to win Teacher of the Year award if you pulled that off. Yeah, I. What the the field trip or the marathon? Both, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, clearly it took the field trip because I have yet to see that award. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know what? God. They enjoyed it. I'm happy with it. <laughs> So this isn't related to the episode, but I, I got to know, were there anybody in that that watch group that was watching those movies for the first time? Yes. Yes. Oh, that sounds so cool. To vicariously yeah, really live through them. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing was, is like, it was something I introduced to my junior class, right? My junior classes, I had like three sections. So it's what, roughly two, four, six, roughly about 65 juniors. But like as word got around, it was standing room only in my classroom. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't just my juniors. That's amazing. So, yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds so cool. So stepping back onto the topic at hand, I think one of the easiest and clearest merits that Phase 3 has going for it is that it brought Spider-Man into the fold. You know, Spider-Man is the hero that everybody knows. And for the longest time, it seemed like it would be impossible to bring him in. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, I I remember getting the notification on my phone that Spider-Man was joining the MCU. And I remember how dominating the news was on Twitter as that was being released. Yeah. Well, this was, God, this was the one where I really started getting conflicted on watching the trailers. Hmm. Did I want to see Spidey in a trailer or see it clearly in the movie? 
Um, and my friend who completely now is just no trailer whatsoever. Well, let me rephrase that. If he's interested, if he knows he's going to see it, he won't see the trailer. Uh-huh. If he's on the fence, then he'll watch the trailer. Um, interestingly enough, he actually, I think, watched the trailer for Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> now. I said nothing. <laughs> now, having said that, like, I was still on the, I was on the fence on the, on the Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that. God, if I remember right here, at least for me, is where those conversations and those thoughts started coming of, do I want to put that off or not? Mm-hmm. You know, this would be something to kind of, I wish I would have thought about looking this up before, but really this is the phase I think you could point towards there being good reason to not watch the trailers. Obviously with Civil War, you know, we saw the Spider-Man drop. Um, and then with Thor Ragnarok, you saw Hulk in the trailers and yeah. you know that that would have been something good uh, to have seen in the movie itself. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like doing this on the fly. I'm trying to think if there was any other movies in this phase that would have benefited from not seeing the trailer. Um, well, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Well, I mean, clearly Infinity War or Endgame, you could say benefit from not seeing the trailer. I would go on that limb with you, Infinity War. Endgame, I think they did a really good job of not showing too much. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, I I would say that too if the baby grew to something you wanted to keep to yourself Mm -hmm. and not know about. Right. That seems like the biggest visual surprise in that movie that I can think of right now. Um, Although when we, when we do the guardians of the galaxy Two review trailer, when we come around to that movie, the line, I'm your dad, star Lord or Peter, my ego was in the trailer. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And, And to the extent that that was a spoiler or not, I don't, I don't know. That'd be fun to, to think about when we get there. Yeah. I might add, I'm just going to go ahead and go out on this limb because you mentioned Spider-Man. I think this phase gives us the best Spider-Man movie live action. Yeah. I uh, I guess kind of put my cards on the table here. I guess mm-hmm. that just depends if you like Far From Home better than this. Otherwise, yeah, it gives us the best live action Spider-Man film. So you you're arguing Far From Home is the best Spider-Man? No, 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 no. I'm well. I'm kind of. I think Homecoming is better than Far From Home. Mm-hmm. I'm saying so. It gives us the be- this phase gives us the best Spider-Man live action Spider-Man and Homecoming, unless you think it's Far From Home. Either way, it, it is within this phase. I'd have to think about that. I think yeah. coming out so, of so Far in other words, in other words, none of the previous five are as good as these two. That I can agree with. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. And I guess I'll save my, my Spider-Man thoughts for when we get there. <laughs> okay, all right. But on this topic of, of merits for this phase, um, I think, quick look, I mean, Black Panther and Captain Marvel became billion-dollar franchises um, Yeah. in this phase. I think two, with, well, not counting the, the Avengers movies, you know, two within this phase is an impressive achievement. It is. Well, and I, I think it's fair not to count the Avengers movies, only mm-hmm. because... The the two Avengers movies in this phase was the culmination of what we've been talking about and building mm-hmm. up towards. And you have all these heroes and it's truly an event. Whereas Black Panther and Captain Marvel, and this is not to talk bad about any either of them, but it's the first it's really difficult to say this statement now. Yeah. But Black Panther and Captain Marvel is the first solo movie of a franchise. Um, and I realize that Black Panther 2, there's a lot of question marks and stuff around there. Um, and we're not, I'm not looking to get into that. Right. But in terms of just a solo franchise film, those two crossed that billion dollar mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't see that, you know, for other solo other solo films. Well, I guess you did for Spider-Man Far From Home, but it didn't start happening until Black Panther. Right. And plus, I think there is some argument um, for the... I, there's another term for it. The one that's coming up to is like they, they, they call it the Avengers hangover or the like... the Oh, the Avengers bump. Yeah. Where after yeah. the Avengers, usually that movie tends to do a lot better than it would previously. So not that a Spider-Man movie wouldn't have done well on its own, but, you know, the Far From Home gets that bump from in-game. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Iron Man 3 got it from yeah. uh, Avengers. Uh, side question to ponder, and don't let this get us sidetracked, but just thinking about Phase 4 and the state of the world right now, I think 
the tent the back to nolan the 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 tenant box office might have something to do with it the numbers or from what i understand that the lack of numbers uh-huh. for mulan do you think we'll ever see another do you think it's possible for these movies to reach a billion dollars it's going to be a really long time before we start seeing billion dollar movies i think yeah um because if I, if I remember off the top of my head i think tenant only got 20 million um, mm-hmm. and Disney, um, and Mulan, I think the projected, because there are no concrete numbers is around 7 million. Um, I think they base it off like new subscribers. Yeah. Um, well, and I haven't looked and, um, I'm going to go ahead and drop this here. The, there was an idea podcast went to see new mutants and did a review of that. I think she mentioned the box office numbers and I don't remember what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think she mentioned that and mentioned that it actually did fairly well, mm-hmm. um, in terms of what was expected and considering the limited capacity of the theaters that are open and the mm-hmm. number of theaters that are open. Yeah. It's, it's like they're grading on the COVID curve. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, and people are kind of starved for content. So like it, it does probably get a bit of a bump that way too, of yeah. just being something new to see in the theaters. Yeah. Well, in... Man, and I think that just says a lot about Phase 3, that you can put all these movies, so many in a year, and you don't, I don't think, saw the the fatigue that people said is going to happen, it's going to happen, it's coming. Uh, but these movies, man, one after another was performing. I will say this, though, because that, that was one of my notes. I wouldn't say that we did see the Marvel fatigue in Phase 3. But I think it was knocking on the doorstep of it. I, I think the sheer volume of it, where it was constantly straddling this line between delivering on Marvel movies nearly three times a year, I did start to see that conversation post-Endgame become more of a, a prevalent thing online. And I do think that, not to make light of it, but I do think with all the delays that we've been seeing, it's almost going to work in the MCU's benefit that we've had such a big break between Far From Home and Black Widow because people have had almost like this palate cleanser before we jumped into the next phase of Marvel, which we've talked about before, is going to be another one of those breakneck paces where every other month you're going to get new Marvel stuff. You're right. And in that sense, again, I hate, hate to put it in these terms that it feels like it works in their favor. Yeah. Um, because because you're getting, instead of the Marvel fatigue conversation, it is this ramp up of like, what's next? What's next? When is it going to come out? How are they going to bring Deadpool in? How are they going to introduce X-Men? Mm-hmm. They've announced Fantastic Four. How are they going to bring them in? Um, and and not to, I feel like I don't want to get away from the topic per se, but looking ahead to phase four, man, there there seems to be an excitement in this phase that, well, I, that I think either shows that Marvel fatigue is not, after phase three, is not as prevalent as people thought it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they're showing that, hey, we we really are that creative and able to get you excited for more content after what we just did. I mean, I'll even like bringing it back into phase three. I remember going into Spider-Man Far From Home thinking, how are they going to do this? They just del- like my review of <laughs> Avengers Endgame. The first time I watched it was that was somehow more than everything I thought I wanted. Right. And so going into Far From Home, I was like, you know, obviously I'm a Marvel fanboy. I, I'm here for this. But I just like, I, how are you going to taunt what you just did? And I walked out of Far From Home thinking like, okay, they did it. I'm not as worried for them moving forward past mm-hmm. uh, Endgame as I was. Yeah. So, I, I mean, on this topic of fatigue and moving forward, I think Phase 3 definitely deserves some merit for that as well, is that they kept it fresh given the sheer volume of the ones they released. Yeah. Well, and not just that, the, they kept it fresh, that with each film, because you knew what you're building up to with Captain America Civil War. Joe and Anthony Russo said, we have to have this divorce. You know, they talked about the family. This is a family being divorced. Break them apart so you can get into the Avengers movies. Doctor Strange, solo franchise. But you knew there was a build up there. They introduced another time stone. Or, or time, they introduced a time stone another infinity stone that it's all building to this. So it seemed like the pressure was continually mounting. I don't know. Guardians of the galaxy two might've had a little bit of a reprieve on that since it technically takes place six months after the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, But every single one, I mean the tie of homecoming to civil war, the tie of black Panther to civil war, 
the highs of Ragnarok, you know, he gets that power, you know, Thor gets the power upgrade. Um, and then you have the end credit scene, like all of that building into infinity war. I can only imagine the pressure that they felt was mounting and mounting and they, they delivered in this phase. Mm -hmm. It makes sense why they say they want to kind of bring back the scale a little bit and not do the 10 year investment. Yeah. Are we ramping up? Yeah, we can, we can, I got nothing. Um, I, 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 I've been on the fence, but I think I'm ready to, to lay out a verdict, I think. All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, I mean, the topic of this episode is which is the best Marvel phase. So I think uh, we naturally have to give our conclusion here. Who wants um, to go first? Let's see. I'm going to do it this way. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's phase three. For me or for you? For me. Uh-huh. And part of it is I'm, I'm looking back through my notes and we we talked about this at one point where, and when I say looking through my notes, we talked about what our top five movies were, right? Mm-hmm. And when I look at where those movies came from, my top five, this is an old list, right? 2019 is what an old list. Uh, so it doesn't, I think this is prior to Endgame coming out. But it says Homecoming, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, The Avengers, Captain America, Cinder, uh, Winter Soldier. That's what? Two Phase 3 movies, a fa- two Phase 2 movies, and a Phase 1 movie. And just, God, about a week ago, I was texting with my friend Sean uh, and uh, another friend, Jonathan. And we we're trying to put together a top 20 list of all-time superhero movies right so it didn't Mm -hmm. matter dc or whatever i have one two three four five six seven eight nine like half of that top 20 i have 10 marvel movies in there Mm -hmm. okay and phase three movies i have of those 10 marvel uh, not marvel movies but the mcu mcu one two three Four, five, six, seven of those ten are MCU or the Phase Three movies. You know, so if I'm putting like that many of this in my top twenty of all time, I have to go with Phase Three. You know, I did my best to remain as neutral as possible, but I think it, it's easy I know, to tell. I know, I know. <laughs> you, you created your own phase. It's all three cat movies. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that in private. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But uh, no, see, I mean, the clear winner is phase three. Like, I mean, just to kind of cap the things we've been talking about, not only is it the one with the most films, it's the one with the most films per year. It had more original standalone heroes than phase two, and I believe on par with phase one. Um, You know, it reinvigorated Thor. I don't know. It's just it's hard to top phase three by any metric. Well, and, and there's there's a couple of things as well. Like, there's a part of me that really, really wanted to go with phase two. Uh, for yeah. some reason, there was something in me that really, really wanted to go with phase two. But man, when you add the extra that we, that, I, that we just mentioned, the extra pressure, the closer you got to the end, and they didn't falter. Um, and, and not only did not only did they not falter. You could argue that they got better through and stronger throughout that phase. It, like you just mm-hmm. you have to give that nod to them. Yeah. Um, now I don't know. Maybe on an emotional in an emotional way, I might point to phase two mm-hmm. in terms of like what really got me sucked into this level of fandom with the MCU. But even that, that's kind of a cross because I'm looking at Avengers: Age of Ultron and Ant Man. In Captain America Civil War, kind of like that area. So it's even the tail end of phase two where I get sucked into this level of fandom. You know, that's a good point, too, because I remember phase two was the phase, like I talked about it, Winter Soldier was the one where it became these are must see. And so kind of emotionally looking at it, while because I kind of had that feeling of wanting to give it to phase two as well. Looking at it, that between Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy, even though there's no direct ties, that momentum I think that those two had, I think could be the same momentum that we get throughout the entirety of phase three of right. just like being as excited for the next one. So I think, and even, even you know, going into uh, Age of Ultron as well, although that one became polarizing after release, but 
I think that's where that emotional feel of, of, of leaning towards phase two comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cause, cause I'm the same way that, that tail end I was just talking about is where it became, okay, this is a must see in the theaters. Not only that, this is a must see opening weekend every time in the theaters. Um, and so I, so I, I realize it's, it's an emotional pull than me wanting to say phase two. But yeah, that's going to do it for a discussion on which is the best phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But of course, we do have our question of the week, which is tied more directly than usual to this episode. I think the natural evolution here is, Jude, which year do you think is the best year in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I have, man, okay, I have two. Uh-huh. And one I'm going to go ahead and edge out over the other. Mm-hmm. I think. So what's what's the second one? Start with the okay. second one. So the second one, um, I well, I have t- I, I I can make an argument for a third, but I'm just going to go for the two. Um, the second one is going to be 2014 with Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh huh. Because um, just those two, just standalone as a film, are good. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, although, I mean, I I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a better movie. Um, but still, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is fantastic. So that one comes in second for me. Mm-hmm. To, uh, and now keep in mind, the, the other thing that's difficult is I'm looking at these years and I'm trying to go calendar year. And I've already <laughs> talked about how I I function by the school year. Uh-huh. Um, man, I'm going to have to go with 2017. As number one? Because I think... Yeah, because I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is just a fantastic film. Spider-Man Homecoming, for the longest time, is my has been my favorite. Might be edged out by Endgame. And then you get Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's hard to ignore 2018 as well with Black Panther, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, But I'm going to stick with those for right now. The final answer, 2017 in the lead, followed up by 2014. Yeah. Okay. What about you? What is? What about yours? What are yours? So I wrote down like I, I was having such a hard time deciding. Like I wrote down one, two, three, four, five years, and I just kept like thinking it over in my head, going back and forth. And I'm trying to pick like I have a one, but I'm trying to think what I would pick as my number two, and they're all just mm-hmm. so closely together. Right. Um. And, and kind of going out with you on that limb about um, uh, because I can reveal this isn't my number one. Twenty eighteen. Like I wanted twenty eighteen to be up there. But there's something about the way that that Ant Man of the Wasp is as a step down, not not in a negative way, but just like momentum wise, taking that mm-hmm. break, kind yeah. of it, it pulls it out of the contender for being the best. Um, there's a part of me that wants to go uh, Captain America: Civil War into Doctor Strange as my number two, just because. Man, that's really good. It's yeah, and like I I talked about I don't know if I actually talked about this on the podcast for a while there. Doctor Strange beat out Winter Soldier for me. Like after like riding the high, no, I, you've never talked about that because I've never heard you say that before. Yeah, I think this is even before you and I started texting about how. Like I don't even know wow. we, we. Yeah, this is before you and I were texting about the MCU. Coming out of Doctor Strange, there was a part of me that was like, I think I enjoy this more than Winter Soldier, and it's it's since come down a little bit, but um, there there's it's hard to deny my number one is 2017. Guardians mm-hmm. Two, Spider Man Homecoming, and Ragnarok. It's it's the momentum. Oh, awesome! I wasn't expect I wasn't expecting that. I honestly was expecting. I really was expecting you to say twenty eighteen. I want like it, it feels hard not to have one of Infinity War or Endgame be the deciding factor of that momentum, right? But I mean, because like my my reasoning was like I said, Black Panther, Infinity War, great momentum. We come back down a little bit for Ant Man of the Wasp. Well, not that it's a bad thing, but as far as like punch for punch i don't think it matches the energy of guardians 2 spider-man and ragnarok right and and then with 2019 with captain marvel love the movie but it's kind of that same thing where being a prequel we we're starting from like a little bit of a lower momentum into right. endgame and then far from home right so yeah that, to me that's why 2017 takes that top spot yeah no and that makes sense that makes sense when you look at the years as a whole comparatively Mm-hmm. And what you get, um, obviously, I agree. Twenty seventeen is the way to go. Uh-huh. Because the real answer is twenty sixteen all the way to twenty nineteen. If we're being honest, but that might be the <laughs> fanboys in us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! 
but I'm yeah, not leave, I'm not gonna leave Ant Man out. I'm not gonna leave Ant Man out. We're throwing yeah. that in Phase Three. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Kevin Feige. We're taking over now. <laughs> hey, you know where to find us. <laughs> if you do want to find us, you can find us at MC you Need to Know on Twitter or Instagram, which you can use to talk about what you think is the best phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or answer our question of the week, which is which is the best year in the MCU. Or if you'd like to write us an email, you can reach us at know at gmail.com. Yeah, and we'd appreciate it if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, The reviews and the ratings really help us out uh, getting this feedback so we can improve to make better content for you. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. Yeah, we'd also like to give a special shout out to Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Marvel theme. If you want to find more of his original work, be sure to check out his SoundCloud, which is linked in the description as well. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. See you all next week. But but so, like, like this that I'm scrolling through says Sam Rockwell was almost Iron Man. Um... You know, so so like there's enough of there's enough of those there mm-hmm. that's like legit. I bring food. Oh, I have food. Hey. It's a big food. Um, hang on. I don't. Yeah, go for food. it. Can I flex a little bit on your podcast? Huh? Can I flex a little bit on your podcast? Uh, yeah, flex on the podcast. Homemade. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me turn the mic. Okay, this 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 MC you need to know you need to know how lucky Jay Hubbard is. He has. A BLT with maple bacon, pan-fried feta, and homemade, are you ready for this? Potato chips. Yes. That is how Lady Hubbit rocks. Fun. Love you. Thank you. That's a that's a meal worthy of mule nair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have it intact now <laughs> i think so <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah. i would love <laughs> i would love it if like throughout this entire episode people were like i i don't know i feel like i heard crunching and then they get to the intake and they just find out you had a sandwich this entire time <laughs>